You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. LFG-Oz.com.au Or you could visit their store in Canberra. It's in the ACT. For all your board gaming needs. And now, on with the show. All right, it is that time again. And it feels like a long time since we've been here, Garth. Well, your memory does get worse as you get older. It does, that's the thing. But I'm excited to be back. Now, mainly, I have to admit, I'm excited because the Women's World Cup starts tomorrow and I'm very excited to follow the journey of the Matildas through this World Cup. I've bought in totally. I've watched the Netflix documentary. I watched the game against France on Monday How night. How good was that game? Oh, so good. And I'm... Anyway... I'm really excited to spend some quality time in front of the television and watch those Matildas absolutely kick some literal goals. But, Garth... Literal goals? Some literal goals. Not physical goals? Not figurative goals, no. no. They're just going to write about the goals. That's right, they are. Okay. Um, But we are are going to talk about some games tonight because that's what we do here on The Dice Men Cometh. We talk about board games, card games, role-playing games, games you can play with your friends... Games that some people like to play by themselves, we don't talk about those a lot, but there are lots of different games to play, and Garth, we're going to be talking about a few of them here tonight. Yeah, we certainly will be. One of them is a competitive, maybe sports type of game. Almost, yes. Although I don't think we've ever, in our 358, now 359 episodes, Mm. as this is episode 359, have we ever talked about a soccer game or a football game for the purists? Well, has there... I mean, has there been a good soccer, because I'm Australian, game? I do remember... Like when, Sabet, Sabeto? Sabutio? Sabutio, Sabutio yeah, that one? Yeah, yep. yeah. Although that... Table soccer? Yeah, that flipping you know, table soccer thing. Foosball. Foosball, absolutely. I do remember the year... The year, the time that I took my son to America to play college soccer, um, on the way stopped in a board game bar and we played a game. I think it was called First and Ten or something. It was a gridiron, gridiron. It was a you know American <laughs> football game, which was quite good, little card based game. But I've certainly reviewed a couple of disc golf games back in the yeah. day as well. And, and there's a, and, I think and there's eleven golf. Eleven has come out relatively recently, which yeah. is a, anyway. Um, I think there's also a, one of those, you know, football manager type games. Anyway, why are we talking about that? Because we're going to talk about games. We're going to talk about, as you said, uh, one of the Kennespiel nominated games. No, sorry, it was one of the Kennespiel nominated games, yes. and then. Let's not spoil what happened next. Yes, it wasn't just a nominee anymore. No, that's right. Um, We're also going to talk about one of the latest episodes of a game that's been around since the year 2000. Wow. Some of our listeners may not have even been alive when Carcassonne (laughs) first came out, but we've got our hands on a new version of Carcassonne um, that we're going to talk about. We've also, Garth, got a competition... Announce the winners. Yeah, I, th- I think what we need to do is just get that straight away, okay, well, done and dusted. Let, after yeah. we play our sting, oh, yes. we take a little break because we've been talking for one or two minutes now, so I'm yes. tired. Uh, and then we'll come back. You're with the Dice Men Cometh, Australia's longest running tabletop podcast. The Dice Men Cometh! 
I'm Baron Munchausen, subject of The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen, a role-playing game or some such, and you're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, my second favourite Tasmanian board game podcast. All right, we're back now to talk about games. But before we do, let's talk about a book or, in fact, two books. But it is about games. It is book, two books about games. Now, of course, we're talking about the book Everybody Wins, which is the history of 40 years of the Spiel des Jahres, written by our friend James Wallace. Uh, a fantastic book, very much a coffee table book it's got lots of gorgeous photos plus text as well and of course recently i guess it was last month really (laughs) we had a huge worldwide competition where we partnered with aconite games which is the publishing arm of gaming yeah (laughs) aconite books which is the the book publishing arm of asmodee that gaming behemoth globally um, and we've got two winners. We do. Not just one, because who wants one winner these days? Mm. So, yes, with our partnership with uh, Aconite and James Wallace and Everybody Wins, we're able to pr- produce one prize for Australia and New Zealand and another prize for the rest of the world, mm. which is fantastic because everyone knows that Australia and New Zealand is about equal when it comes to gaming, yeah. as the rest of the world combines, so it is it is wonderful. And look, we've um, we got heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of entries uh, from all over the world. So thank you very much to our Australian listeners and um, entrants, New Zealand, North America, Europe, all over the world. Uh, can't remember if there were some South Americans or not. Did we get every continent? I know. Well, I don't think there was any from Antarctica. I was going to say, look, the great thing was was the ability to be able to reach out to a lot of our friends in the board game publishing industry in the podcasting industry, in the content creation industry, and ask us to to share the love and to share the competition worldwide. And we were blown away with just how many times we saw the competition repeated all around the world. So, so great to finally get to give away these two games. And Garth, Mm -hmm. who are the lucky winners? All right. Well, we'll start with the local one. Uh, local being in this particular hemisphere. Mm. So congratulations, drumroll please. There we go. To a, a listener called Rob Torok. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, who is an Australian listener. Well, and and the name say, rings a bell. Yeah, he, he's been a listener. I remember him not entering a lot of competitions, but reaching out to us occasionally with questions and interesting things from way back in the day, you know, Back in the Edge Radio studios. Wow. So I feel like he's he's been a listener perhaps since the very start, which is so nice that he's actually won something after almost 10 years. Fantastic. Good on him. Yeah, congratulations, Rob. And then we've got our international rest mm. of the world winner. And that um, lucky person is Dan Sumption. Uh, they are based in the UK, Woo-hoo. United of Kingdoms. Uh, they've never not been united, as far as I'm aware. Um, so, congratulations, no Dan. See, uh, touch and go there. Um, so, the copy for the rest of the world, so in this case, heading to the UK, mm. uh, is going to be provided by Aconite themselves. They're going to mm. send that and take care of all the shipping. Thank you. Um, and we will arrange to send the copy to Rob um, because it's our copy. 
That's right. So it's, it's Slightly be... shop soiled, but you know, the sweat and DNA of Dice Man must be worth something. <laughs> Uh, well, it's a good substitute until they can just put our heads in jars. <laughs> right. Um, so, look, congratulations. And, look, big thanks, obviously, to not only Aconite, but mm. also to James Wallace yes. for, you know, he had a really fantastic interview that you did with him, which is wonderful. The Thank book you. is exceptional and yeah. available through your online behemoths of um, book buying choice, mm. uh, potentially on your smaller options. I certainly haven't seen it in any local bookstores in Tasmania, but maybe they can order it in for you. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. And it is, like, if you jump online and, you know, some of these online websites let you have a peek inside the book, it's got absolutely stunning, glorious, full-colour, big photos of lots of great games in there. As we said, you know, Spiel des Jahres from the late 70s up until... I was going to say the current day, last uh, last year's nominees and winners. Yeah, that's right. So um, a lot of board gamers are collectors. Mm. And there's not a huge amount of board gaming literature out there apart from, you know, the big book of games, which might be, you know, all the chess and yeah. all the checkers and all the dice stuff. And, and obviously there's books on cards. But an actual non-fiction almost, you know, periodical of, of our history is yes. really important. And I think something that this quality is exceptional. So congratulations to our winners. Thank you to James for producing it and making it and doing all the hard work. Hopefully oh, look, he's going to do more of those. Garth, before we forget to, a special thank you. I did. I think I did thank him at the time, but a special thank you to friend of the show and board game and role-playing game designer extraordinaire, Steve D., uh, recent designer of The Score, the 18-card RPG, small RPG that's, um, I think, going to be shipped out in the not-too-distant future to yeah, everyone, I think so. but who provided the introduction uh, from us to James Wallace, or in fact, I think, recommended to James Wallace that if there was anyone that he should talk to anywhere in the world, it should be us. And James was very generous when he said, of course I've heard of you. <laughs> so that was great. Um, so anyway, congratulations. Um, that's all done now, is it? That's, it is. There's nothing else that we need to do. We don't nope. have to talk about reading and, and stuff? Nope. Wonderful. Back to games. Let's talk about games. Mm. So there was a very recent award given away in gaming, and it happens every year about this time of year. And there's typically three awards given out. One is called a Kinderspiel. One is called a Spiel des Jahres. Mm -hmm. Another one is called a Kennerspiel. Mm. Everyone who's just heard our little promotion about everybody wins in the finalisation of the competition knows about the spiel. It's been going for 40-odd years. Um, and it's the German awards, which really is there to say, this is the best kids game, Kinderspiel. This is the best family game, yes. the SDJ. And then this is the best gamers game, which is the Kennerspiel. Now, we're going to talk about the Kennerspiel because the game that I'm going to review and you're going to help me review is Challenges. Yes. Which was one of the nominated games, uh, nominated games, sorry, along with Icky, um, as well as Planet Unknown, yes. which is, you know, Lazy Susan, the Lazy Susan <laughs> Polyomino game, uh, which looks great. Is it any good? No. Um, but I'll leave that up to your own minds. So we have had numerous discussions over the new 10 years including very early on in the piece, trying to create a furor over the Spiel des Jahres, <laughs> yes, as fun. well as the simplification of the games nominated for the Kennerspiel. Mm. And in fact, we did a recent Patreon episode where you and Leon poo-pooed some of my Kennerspiel games, saying that they weren't complicated enough. But I say, nay, um, I choose simple games because the Kennerspiel is not so complicated anymore. Yeah, and I look, I think... Look, I... 
I take on board what they're trying to do. It has gone from, you know, the year before the Kennerspiel. Now, just wait, because we're going to talk about more details after we review this game. So don't don't spoil too much of what you want to chat oh, about. Oh, no, no. Advance. Well, my point really was that in the past, when the Kennerspiel sort of started, it was about the gamer's game. I, th- I think very much now it's actually more about... You know, the Spiel des Jahres being the family game for your your family that maybe buys one game a year. And then the Kennerspiel has now become this, well, now you're into gaming a little bit. Here's the, an, a next step. Correct. So it's not a, this is for people who play, buy one game a year and this is for people who buy 50 games a year. This is now perhaps, oh, you're looking to buy a few more games. Maybe yeah. this is something you should look at as as the next level. Or you like, bought the Spiel des Jahres game with your kids, yeah. and they've grown up now. Yeah. So now you're looking for games that are a little bit more complex. Yeah. But anyway, the game we're going to be talking about tonight is Challenges, mm-hmm. which is the 2023 winner of the Kenneth. <sighs> for those of you who have not already heard that, there you go. There's an exclusive. For the vast majority of people who are probably subscribed to various Facebook pages yes. about board gaming and um, generally keep abreast of this stuff, yeah, you probably knew already, but it's still really exciting because it is a massive, massive award in our mm. hobby. And arguably, the Spiel des Jahres and the Kennerspiel would be two of the biggest gaming awards, if not the biggest gaming awards, full stop, for the year. And what's one of the things that I did speak to James Wallace about in our interview was... You know, why has no one ever been successful to come up with a either a more global award or even a, like a, a North American-based award that could even rival the spiel? And it is, I think we talk about in the interview, like it is something that he's he's yeah. sort of been talking to other people <laughs> about. But, you know, they've, they've got 40 years of history to sort of to get past. And every year, this is the award that people look to. Now, the only drama sometimes and i think perhaps this is partly why you know we struggled with the spiel to get access to copies is that part of the criteria is the game has to be released in germany now sometimes they these games are released in the rest of the world or in north america and or in the rest of europe an english version is perhaps released and then it goes to germany but sometimes because germany is a big deal in gaming sometimes the german release comes first as in dorf romantic yeah or top 10 yeah previously which you know we oh, pretty top much 10 we poo-pooed we pretty much poo-pooed last year saying which is quite funny considering that there's a poker chip that one side of it has a poo <laughs> That's right. But then, you know, a year later, we spent a huge amount of time at BorderCon playing that same game, talking about it, laughing so much, telling everyone else they should be playing it because it's so great. And so, you know, time can change things. So I think that's where perhaps this year our focus hasn't been so much Spiel the Yaris as it has in the past because we couldn't really get access to those games. But with the the Kennerspiel nominated games. We've played all of them. We were lucky enough to have played all three, Gar. In fact, two of them were played 12 months ago when we did go to BorderCon because yeah. Icky and Planet Unknown were both there in BorderCon 2022. And um, friend of the show and sponsor of the show, Let's Play Game. Uh, sorry. LFG. LFG. LFG, not Let's Play Games, but LFG sent us let's a couple of challenges. Nice people They're too. fantastic. Yeah. People. So, look, let's talk about challenges. Okay. So, um, 
is their theme. <laughs> well, let me let me read to you what the rule book says. Mm. Uh, will your dream team succeed? Helped by your bard, your kraken, just captured the flag. You're now waiting for your opponent's attack, ready to fight back with your necromancer and your rubber duck. From outer space aliens to deep sea creatures, improbable allies working toward a common goal, win the world's greatest capture the flag tournament. Are you feeling it, Mark? Are you in? Are you there? So I'm taken back to, I'm thinking about where I'm inside, sort of a a built up area, perhaps where an army might live. Some people might call it a fort. Yes. And perhaps I venture out of my fort in the dark, maybe... At night. Oh, really? Um, so I'm leaving my fort at night, and I'm going out trying to destroy everyone and maybe yes. capture a flag. You might try and capture a flag, and uh, and that's that's kind of it. Um, so the way this works now, this plays from currently one to eight players. So one. Yes, you can play solo. There no, is a no, there is a no, robot no, no, here, no, uh, which no, is thematically no. called the robot. Uh, <laughs> There is the relatively recently announced Challenges 2. Of course. um, Which adds the option to mix those two games together to potentially make up to 16 players, should you want to. Uh, The gameplay itself doesn't really change, so I'm not going to talk about Challenges Mm -hmm. 2. So in this game, uh, it is a deck-constructing auto-battler. So the game is played out over two phases. The first phase is your deck construction, Mm -hmm. each player. Uh, and I strongly recommend only playing it with an even number of players, two, four, six, or eight, and we'll get to the, the more strict recommendation later on down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll each start off with a basic um, starter deck. They're all identical. Uh, however, there are then six different themed decks. So you've got the Castle deck, the Film Studio deck, the Fun Fair deck, the Haunted House deck, the Outer Space deck, and the Shipwreck deck. Mm. Uh, you will basically have these uh, a selection of these additional theme decks put into your game and you choose which ones you want mm-hmm. so that there's always going to be a bit of variety there mm-hmm. you're not always just going to have the same cards that you're choosing from um, those cards are divided up into A, B and C categories yes uh, you will shuffle those respective A, B and C decks together into three separate piles and the game comes with these lovely little plastic holders for those three decks um, which is really important because what's going to happen is that Uh, Before every round, you're doing this deck construction phase where depending on which of the seven rounds there is, Mm -hmm. each player chooses from either one deck and they'll draw five cards of which they're going to keep two to then add to their deck. Uh, Or uh, potentially if they have an option to choose from a, I guess, a more powerful deck. You know, B is more powerful than A and C is more powerful than B. Um, you might only be able to add one card, but you're okay. hoping it's a, it's a big, beefy yeah. card. Um, the deck construction is the game. Yes. Needs to be said. Yes. Because this is where you have agency over what your deck is going to look like. Because once that is done, and everyone up to eight people have done their deck construction side of things, you are then going to be basically fighting one of a predetermined opponents. And what I like is that... The game comes with four neoprene yeah. mats that are, yeah. I don't know, maybe they're about, let's say... A bit bigger than a mouse mat? Well, they're long and skinny. I was thinking more like a skateboard. So, you know, yeah, let's yeah, say two-thirds yeah, yeah. the size of a skateboard yep. in, in that kind of denominator, that, that sort of dimension. So they're yep. long and skinny. We're talking uh, the terms that the kids can understand. Oh, good, good thinking. We're so with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... 
there will be those spread out around the table Mm -hmm. and each player will have a little card that says in round one you are this side of this particular colour of a It's like light and dark, isn't it? There's light and dark and it it just shows you who you're going to be battling. Uh, That card's really useful as well because it also says uh, or shows you at each one of the seven rounds which deck or decks you can draw from and how many cards you are going to be able to add and keep to your deck. Yep. So everything you need to know is on this little player aid. I uh, can't remember if it's double-sided. Probably is, so Leon will be angry at that. Um, so essentially, you've constructed your deck. You're sitting next to someone who's your opponent. Um, you flip the marker, the, the kind of like a coin. It has yeah. the dark and the light side of the flag to see who goes first. You've got your decks. You've got your face down. You're ready to go. And then you start playing Revealy Cardi, Revealy Flippy Dippy. I was sort of scratching my head thinking, Auto Battler, is that... Like the term, but it is it is literally like, well, it's not you flip a card, I flip a card. It's you flip a card, then I flip as many cards as I need to, to capture get the, the same or more numbers on the yes. cards. So and- look, the card anatomy is important because it has a big picture. Mm. It has the name of the card. Mm. It has a little icon that tells you which set it is from, if it yep. is not one of the starter sets. Uh, and it has a number on it. Yes. Nothing else matters except the number, yep. for the most part. Yep. Um, because, yes, the starting player, whoever has you know the ability to take the first turn, will flip over one card, typically only just the one, and the card will have a number, and it'll be somewhere between one and maybe, I think, 10 yeah, or 12 might be the, the highest one, and they'll be then winning. Yep. So the flag token goes onto their thing. Their opponent for the round has to flip and reveal cards until their score is higher than the value of that card Mm -hmm. that the first player played. So say I play a card and it's got value two, they just need to get two or more. Now, the thing is, in the early phases, um, the first rounds, a lot of that will be one card, one card, one card, one card, one card, but not always. So anyway, if you are in a situation where you've had to play multiple cards to even, to beat or meet the other opponent's score, you take the flag, but then all of the cards that you've used are basically compressed down so that you only see the top one and the top one is the score that the other player yeah, is trying right. to beat. So it doesn't matter if you've had 10, if the top card is value one, mm. they've only got to get one. Now, every time that the flag is lost by you, any of the cards that you've used on the uh, in the battle already go to your, basically to your bench. And each of the benches have six slots available and the game, sorry, the round will end once either one player's deck has been completely exhausted Mm -hmm. or one player cannot put any of the cards back on the bench. And that's it. Whoever wins that particular battle will take a token from the trophy deck. There's each of the um, sort of player boards have seven trophies that are a random number. So Mm -hmm. you don't know how much exactly your trophy is going to be worth until you've won it. Um, Ultimately that'll happen for six rounds. And then the two players with the most points will then have a one-and-done battle-off to determine who is the best challenger's auto-battler ruler for the ages. There you go. And that's it. Um, The decks are variable in terms of the themes, and a lot of them have combinations and bonuses, so it does encourage you to potentially go, okay, well, I've got a whole bunch of outer space cards. They work together, um, so therefore I'm going to try and do that. Um, So there is all... It's all about this deck construction side of things. Mm -hmm. Now, we, before getting this copy of the, the game, 
we looked into it because obviously, you know, the Kenner Spiel is a yeah. big deal and typically it's more the games that we like as opposed to the games in the Spiel des Jahres yeah. because they're slightly heavier. Um, and we all went, okay, what's what else is out there? Yeah. and It, as, was, it was nothing. As you said, we'd played the other two because... Um, I think firstly, Planet Unknown had a lot of buzz about it. Yeah, you know, being were... this incredibly crazy game with the um, lazy the omino, omino things oh, the and, om- the la- and the lazy Susan. And I, you know, I remember it being the game that I, not the game that I caught COVID to, the game that COVID emerged, <laughs> and I started to cough while we were playing it. And I don't know if that soured my experience of the game or not. I think I'd already not. Decided I didn't like it by the time COVID emerged. Well, there was four or five of us playing it and no one really liked it. No. So I don't think it was just COVID. Yeah. Um, and then Icky, mm. um, good friends of the show, James and Jess, uh, at the same BorderCon, uh, taught that to us. And we had a great time with that, yeah, actually. It was fantastic. It was a really good game. Yeah. Um, however, in saying that, good thing all of our conversations are recorded because I'm very confident that I have discussed <laughs> recently how my pick for of these three games was going to be challenges uh, for the the Kenish Bill because I think Icky doesn't fit and I think Plan Unknown is too boring. Yeah, see so. for me, like I, I I am happy to admit that you did say that, Garth, and I also know even though we didn't have a special Spiel episode, mainly because I think we couldn't get our hands on any of the the Spiel games. Yeah, apart from Next Station London, we haven't um, played the other two. Yeah, um, was that I was going to predict that Planet Unknown was going to win because unlike us, it seems like the rest of the world really, well, and the people who played the game with us, maybe that's our fault. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot. there's been a lot of positive buzz about it. There's a lot of people that do like it. Hmm. So I did think that. And the Lazy Susan aspect. I think there's a Lazy Susan manufacturer out there that's, you know, pushing this. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was going to win. So I was equally, I was very surprised when Challenges was announced. Yeah. Yes. I'm pleasantly surprised that I got something right for a change. Um, so look, this game is, it's a struggle to review mm. because the vast majority of the time you will spend is flipping over cards and having a battle. But the reality is the battle is not the part that you can control. And that is the big criticism of this game is that the majority of this game is predetermined once you've shuffled your deck and there is nothing you can do at all to change the outcome of that because it's just going to be the order of the cards in which you've played. Well, I feel like for me, this is like a review in two parts because um, I think both you and I, Garth, when this was announced as a uh, as a nominee for the Kennerspiel, we were like, how do we get access to this game? Oh, there's it's on BGA. And we jumped onto BGA to give it a try. Now, did you play more than one game on BGA? Nope. Me either, because there was basically nothing to do. There was a very, very simple deck building of adding one or two cards and maybe taking a couple of cards away. But the actual gameplay, because it's on BGA, I think there was a box you could tick that basically made the gameplay play itself yes yeah this is one of the few games that if i did go back and revisit it i would only ever play it in real time yeah because you you, you'll get the game done in 10 15 minutes like in no time whatsoever we played it in real in turn base and it was just painful yeah but then we had the experience of being at BorderCon, and as we said charles from lfg got us a copy of the actual game and we got it out we set it up we played it with eight people yeah we did and, look, I'm not going to say I, I had a lot of fun, but their 
in real life with real people, I actually saw, okay, there is something to this game, not not any depth at all, but it's it was the experience of going around the table and basically playing the different games with the different people. That was it was a little bit of fun. But then I also so I also got to see, as you said, the deck building because at first you're like, I just want to get more powerful cards because you start off with really crappy ones with power one and two and maybe a three. Um, who knows, you might even get a four. And as you said, the rounds the rounds go quite quick. And in the early games, it's definitely your deck running out is what is ending the game. Whereas in the later rounds, because your deck, if you're anything like me, and you're just going for those more powerful cards, all of a sudden you find, oh, my deck's got a lot of variety. And the thing about the, the bench or... It feels like the graveyard because it's like where your cards go to die. You you have a slot for each different card. So if you have three cards that are all the same card, they will just occupy one spot on the bench. But if you have play three cards and they're three different cards, they'll occupy three of your six spots on the bench, which means your bench is going to fill up really quickly. And the problem that I found in the, the one game that we did play was I'd gone for... You know, I flipped over a card. Yep, that's a powerful card. I'm going to add that to my deck. Get rid of some of the less powerful cards. And all of a sudden, I found almost I had like 20 different individual (laughs) cards in my deck. And then all of a sudden, I lost like three games in a row because my bench filled up before even half of my opponent's bench was filled. And there, as you said, there's the crux of, uh, well, I want to build this amazing, powerful deck, but I really need to take into account that I can't have a huge amount of variety so I need to find just maybe three or four or five cards that are really good that I can get multiple copies of that are going to enable me to win some fights. Yeah, and it, and there is a huge amount of randomness to this because mm. the, the A, B and C decks, they're going to contain typically five of the six available themes. So they're quite massive. Like there's, a, there's lots and lots and lots of cards in there. So yeah. you might be lucky and get, you know, a second or a third type of the card. The cards do tell you um, if they're rare, yep. which means there are three of those cards in that particular deck, or if they're common, which means they're five. Otherwise, there's four of each type of yeah. card. There are some cards, but you'll only typically see them in the B and the C decks that might allow you to have special abilities such as, um, you know, for every card uh, theme that's in your bench, you can put one on top of the other, or you can put them to an exhaust pile, which yep. is basically a discard pile. Yeah. Um, there's cards that'll let you um, potentially review the top couple of cards on your draw deck and re-figure, reconfigure those. So there is little bits of manipulation, but only little bits. Enough to potentially make it interesting for some, um, but it's really, you know, this is, in my opinion, a game that we only played it at eight. Mm. I can't see it being fun at one or two or three or four or five. I think six and above is where this game needs to be because you're 100% right, Mark. This game, the fun was getting up and moving around the table and sitting around, you know, sitting next to someone else. The push and pull because, again, you know, at at somewhere like BorderCon, 
everyone's a gamer, so they're all getting into it. So yeah. it doesn't matter if the game itself is mechanically really, really simple. Mm. It doesn't change the fact that we're all kind of competitive and yeah. it's like, oh, you got that card and oh, I've got this one and oh, yeah. I'll spend this thing and blah, 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 blah. So there was this really big, fun environment of pushing and pulling and you're hearing all the other battles that are going on while you're not necessarily concentrating on the battle because there's not really much that you can do. Um, but this game is potentially a really excellent large group party game yeah. or even just a convention game even more so if challenges 2 is going to then make this up to 16 yeah. people it's not going to increase the length of it because it's still just you play seven rounds it's just going to have more decks more availability for more people the final battle even with all 16 is still just between the final yes. two people so it's not adding length um look this game it's a party game. It's not a gamer's game. It's not a Kennerspiel game, except it is. Yeah. This is the silly thing about this. Now, we can probably start talking about the Kennerspiel, mm. unless you have got anything to add in terms of a review style thoughts and feedback. <sighs> Compare and contrast, Mark, and well, tell look, us how you feel. How I, do you I, really feel? I did find it interesting how my thoughts about the game changed. As I said, particularly, you know, the, the experience I had on BGA compared to the experience in real life and the realisation of, oh, hang on a minute, this whole same card, different card, number of cards, you know, you can try and be the game and sort of min-max your deck. Interestingly, it has, um, you have the ability to, to, is it, you could almost toss out as many cards as you like Absolutely. from your deck between yeah. rounds. So you, you can super thin your deck you can fine-tune it to the finest level, except that the cards you're drawing are random and yes. you're only drawing a small number. So obviously if you throw too many cards away, then you will have the problem of your deck running out. But I think you could get really nitty and granular and have a good idea of what's going to work best. Obviously there's a little bit of variety that's provided by the different decks. But I do find myself thinking, let's say I had this game, let's say it had four decks... Let's say those four decks were the deck of hearts, the deck of spades, the deck of clubs, and the deck of diamonds. Oh, interesting theory here. Um, you know, is the game going to change very much? Like, yes, as you get into the more complicated cards, they do have some special abilities. But could you do that with almost just the normal deck of cards? No, definitely not. Because when has a deck of cards won the Kenneth Bear? <laughs> Now, look, I think this game, I think when I looked, it was about 60 bucks yeah. online. That's fine. I think for kids, they'd enjoy this because yeah. it is very much that King of the Hill style, um, which is similar to, you know, going out at night from a fort. Um, but basically, it's stupid fun. Is it a lot of fun? No, yeah. absolutely not. Is it thinky? Is it demanding? No, not at all. I think what you get for about 60 bucks is good quality yeah. in terms of the neoprene mats. The cardstock is fine. These little plastic things to mm. hold. You know, they've got the little... The decks the, the decks of cards all go down, face down on the table or on this plastic insert. But then they've got this little section at the back where you put the cards yeah, that you've been discards. discarded vertically. Mm. So that helps. Although setting it up is a nightmare because you've got to shuffle all of the decks together by theme and by letter, yes. A, B, and C. And at the end of every game, you've got to deconstruct it all. So it all takes time and there's no way around that. You've and got to separate them all out. in the new version, you'd imagine they're going to have potentially six or more 
different new decks, so it's going to get even worse. Yep, and they can Although, all be added in as a normal game. I was going to say, it does give... The, I think Leon at one stage called it like Fortnite Smash Up, or you know, he referred yeah. to the game Smash Up where... You can then have lots of different expansions where you can throw lots of different decks in. So it's got it's got that expandability. It does, but it is an auto battler. Yeah. The choices you make in the deck construction phase are then left to some random chance with the shuffling of the yeah. cards, and then you just see how it plays out. And the same cards can have wildly different results depending on the order in which they are revealed. What is the recommended age range, Garth? Because I, I can't plus. remember. Yeah, okay. So because I was going to say, when I think about this, I'm thinking about that, like. 10-year-olds, you know, 10-year-olds who, if you left them alone for half an hour with eight of them, they'd probably start, and no TV and no phones, they'd probably start punching each other. You know, like it's that sort of energy that you want to channel into this game where they're going to battle and they're going to have a lot of fun. It's like, ah, I got you, oh, you got me, ah. You know, like that's the, when I imagine people playing this game and having fun, that's what I imagine. Yes, and... That makes it more of a spiel game. Yeah. It doesn't make yeah. it a kind of spiel game because I can't see our group mm-hmm. ever playing this again. Nope. I can see someone from our group who was running a kid's party mm. or something like that yep. maybe borrowing it. Yeah. Because it is for that kind of audience. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, conventions, yeah, maybe. Um, so look, I think what it shows is do I care much about the Kennerspiel. And that's my concern because I look at the games and I go, Icky, great, relatively simple worker placement, Rondell style, you yep. know, good theme. Planet Unknown, would this have been half as popular if it didn't have a lazy season? <laughs> yes. You know, the polyomino side of things is popular. Yes. Uh, it is there. And is it also just that it's popular because... There's a massive influx of newer gamers. They love their bling, and this has heaps of beautiful yeah. looking bling. But they haven't played Baron Park. They haven't played, um, you know, all these other like Feast of Odin or any other yes. polyomino type of game. And it's now big and quote unquote new as a as a theme. And I don't know. And I love cats. I mean, there's only so many people who love cats, Leon. Yes. Um, you know, if you look at a, a space theme as opposed to a cat theme, well people get excited about the space thing yeah so i do wonder whether this is just a a cycle in game Mm. Uh, and i don't know but i think you know we have talked for virtually a decade about the the kennespiel getting lighter and lighter and lighter this has to be the lightest winner of the kennespiel i can't recall anything that would would even really come close in terms of the lack of agency that you have in a game yeah that has then won the gamers game. Now the thing is, it's going to have the sticker on it, and it's going to sell. I think potentially half a million copies yeah. because of the the win. So this is massive for the hobby. It's massive for the designers. It's massive for the the publisher. Is it massive for educating new gamers about what games are and bring them into a hobby that they might otherwise not come into? I don't think yeah. so because. Plus and minus here. The plus is there's not really anything like it in the tabletop space. But is that a minus as well? Because if they really like it and they go, I want to get something like it, what's the next option? Is the next option getting just a competitive deck builder? Yeah. Is it is it going into, uh, I don't know, a Magic skirmish, or skirmish like game that. or something like that? But is it going to be like mm. that? Or is this just going to create clone after clone after yeah. clone after clone for the next few years? 
Or is are people going to play it and go, it's an auto battler. I can just go and play any number of auto battlers on my computer. Yeah. And uh, I'm done. Well, here's, here's the other interesting thing that just has literally occurred to me right now, Garth. The winner of the Spiel des Jahres, Dorf Romantic, mm-hmm. based on a computer game. Um, as I said, we don't even know if there's copies available here or not. We haven't certainly haven't seen any. But is this, you know, in the past, we've tried to draw people away from video games, using an old term, um, into gaming by saying, here's an alternative to sitting and staring on screens and you know and it's been very different are we as in the the board game creating community now trying to say hey look we've got the same sort of thing that you're doing on your computer but you can do it in a board game and you can sit around with your friends and you don't need to be in your own house playing against people across the internet you can do it around a table but it's it's a very similar experience to what you're doing on your computer is that where we're going because we've got Dorf Romantic which is based on a video game and we've got this which is very similar style as we said to that King of the Hill Capture the Flag you know which is a video game concept what do you think? Yeah look maybe I mean in saying that though one of my favourite games of all time is This War of Mine and you know again based on a video game Yeah, and absolutely one of the most challenging adult games out there and I love it uh, I think it's fantastic. Do I play it online? Do I play it oh, every so often? I might yeah. play it on a computer. Or, I mean, the other thing, look at one of our, um, you know, um, jointly most popular games of last year, Anno 1800, Correct. a game based on a video game. But I wonder, you're not so much trying to recreate that video game experience. You're changing it into a board game experience it's not like we all went oh anno 1800 i love that video game i want to play the board game of it whereas i think maybe with something like this war of mine or even Frostpunk, maybe there is that of oh that's an amazing game i wanna i'd love to try that mm. in a board game form whereas i mean is dorf romantic a, a video game that is taking the world by storm I had never even heard of it until I heard of the board game. But then again, maybe I'm not the target market. So you just bought a shiny questions. new computer. So maybe I you, did, you and I'm it. not lining up to play Dorf Romantic with it. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, look, I think there's massive opportunities for video game IP mm. to translate into good tabletop games. Yeah, you know, we don't want just another copy of uh, Monopoly Agricola yes. edition. <laughs> you know, we want um, really good copies of video games with a solid mechanic and good game. And, and obviously Anno 1800, yeah. designed by Martin Wallace, mm. is a fantastic example of that, as is. I think Frostpunk has the opportunity to yes. be really good. Haven't played it enough to know. Um, and This War of Mine is certainly up there. And I'm sure there are others and there are people screaming into their earphones going, why aren't you naming this one? Yeah. Well, it's because we're doing this on the fly. Well, and interestingly, um, I, you know, been following a lot of the Gloomhaven conversations with the Festival of Gloomhaven, their big backer kit, I think they're over four million dollars now it's just about to end but i did see conversations there where people are saying oh well i love gloomhaven but one of the primary ways i play gloomhaven now is i play it on my computer like i have it on on steam you do and 
where I don't have the opportunity to get a group around the table. And, you know, one of the big complaints we made about Gloomhaven was how long it takes to set up, how long it takes to pack away. But when I go to my computer, I press click. Yes. And it's set up. And it's then when I'm finished, I press click. And it's all gone. And, you know, people are coming across the game that way. So there is there is movement between the two hobbies. But it just struck me that we've potentially got two average computer games that you know are they but maybe with or particularly with if we talk about the the Fortnite type of thing you know if we're trying to appeal to that sort of audience i just wondered if that if that was driving some of this what's happening well i guess we'll find out mm. uh but yeah look the kenner yeah you know I'm, I'm curious to see whether this downward trend continues yeah. because it you know i think this year I've been pretty disappointed with with all of the games. Icky was great. Yeah. You know, but is earth-shatteringly new and exciting and worthy of award-winning stuff? I'm not convinced it is. No. It's, it's good. But I want awards to represent greatness in our hobby, and well, I don't think these do that. No, no. I, I agree totally. And I think, you know, look, as we said... Every year leading up to this year, we've done... I mean, sometimes we've done a, spe- a, sp- a special Spiel episode and then a special Kenner Spiel episode. This year, we've managed neither. And it's not because... I mean, as we said, we, we've played all the Kenner Spiel games. I think it was just we felt like that they perhaps didn't deserve that level of celebration and attention. Mm. Just for people like us gamers, I just... I feel like this award has less and less and less relevance. And this year in particular, it just jumped out that really there's not much there for people like us. There you go. All right. Well, let's cut that. Hey? Yeah. Let's... let's stop. Let's move on to something a bit more positive. We'll have a little break. You're with the Dice Man Cometh. And we'll be back after this one. Hi, I'm Isaac Childress, uh, the designer of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, and uh, you're listening to The Dice Man Cometh. So you're back with The Dice Man Cometh. Presumably you just heard a sting or potentially a comment or someone com- sort of saying how popular we are and how wonderful we are and how you should definitely oh. go and... Uh, join our Patreon. So, um, yeah, just make sure you go and join the Patreon for some exclusive content, Mm. extra entries into competitions, and general all-around goodness. But, Mark, you have been playing this brand-new hotness from the year 2000. That's right. What is it? Okay, what I'm excited to talk about here for a few minutes at least, Garth, is a little game called Mists Over Carcassonne. Wow. And can you believe Carcassonne having been out since 2000... As far as I'm aware, I know there are, there are variants out there, but this is the first real cooperative Carcassonne, which is a very exciting thing. Now, for your Carcassonne diehards, don't be concerned because you can actually use this game in three different ways. Do you mean don't be car-concerned? <laughs> oh, dear. That harkens back to some of the worst puns ever. Harkens or car Carkinson's back. Okay, I'm stopped now. Uh, okay. Um, are you suffering from Carkinson's? <laughs> um, what I'm talking about is you can take... There are three lots of components, if you like, that turn into three different expansions for 
the Carcassonne base game. So it's a it's a modular expansion. But do you really want to do that? Or do you want to play this amazing cooperative game? Because, Garth, not only does it have castles and roads Whoa. and cities and meeples, it's got... Woo! It's got ghosts. Oh, my goodness. I'm and so cemeteries. Wow. It's like the horror version of Carcassonne. Excellent. Is that except, why? Except it's very light and fluffy ghosts and horror. And I think the ghosts, uh, they scared all the farmers away, didn't they? <laughs> That's right. So, yes, in this game, if you're like me and you get confused by the farmers in Carcassonne, you don't have to worry about them anymore because they don't make any appearance. So you score your roads, you score your cities, just as normal Carcassonne. And where you have them, you have a monastery variant, if you like, where you're putting a tile down and filling it with eight other, nine other tiles. Eight other. Sorry? Eight other. Eight other tiles, and the ninth one is the one in the middle. That's right. Anyway, um, so what does this game have differently? It has ghosts, as I said, and the ghosts come because there's mist. Woohoo! It's mystical. Um, so you, when mist appears on the tiles, it will also have a ghost. And so you put the ghost down where it indicates on the tiles. Why, why are you concerned about ghosts? Well, ghosts are scary. And your job is to get rid of the ghost. Or is it? I hope so. I don't know. Not the, really. The couple of sessions I've played, it is. Well, the thing is, in this game, there are six different levels. So you're not just playing the same game every time. And so in the... In the level one, you're really just learning how the game works, which is where you've got these ghosts, where you can join up mist like you can join other things up. Or not, you can have the mist not even join up. But if you make it, if you completely enclose the mist in that it's all together and there's not chunks out of it, you can then take the ghosts off the board. And that's important because like other cooperative games that you might think of where diseases might be involved, if you ever can't place ghosts, you lose the game. Yeah, and I guess this is the big difference, obviously, mm. in terms of Carcassonne, is the cooperative nature of it. So yeah. in terms of scoring, you are you are all contributing towards one score on the scoreboard. So there's just one meeple that's going around and around. So if I finish the city and then you finish the city, yeah, we do that. Lads up. Um, that's good. Uh, and there's not that many ghosts. I think there's only 15 ghosts yeah, that's right. in it's the game. Uh, and one of the lose conditions is, as you just said, you can't place one. That happens very, very quickly. Yeah, often. And so, you know, obviously the other, well, generally the win condition is you've got to get a certain number of points. And as I said, there's six levels of this game. There's some added complication in in the levels and it just changes little things. But the main thing is you've either got to go through the, the deck of tiles more often. You've got to score more points. Sometimes you'll get, the ability to get rid of ghosts with a special thing, but don't be too concerned about that. It's really about, you know, let's say in the base level, you've got to get 50 points. And then in the next level, you might have to get 75 points or 100 points or 120 points. And you might think, well, that's easy because I'm just going to keep scoring points. But one of the choices you have to make is every time you score points is, do I want to score the points or do I want to take the opportunity to remove up to three ghosts off one single tile. And if I do that, then I don't score the points. And as you said, Garth, the ghosts run out really quickly. So 
We, and I, I played this with my lovely wife, Sarah, and we went crazy on it. I'll tell you about it in a second. But more often than not, we were like, we can't really afford to score the points because we've got to get the ghosts off because more ghosts are going to come back. Yeah, and, and that's really challenging because yeah. I've played it with my daughter a couple of times. Now, we only got level one and level two done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we we had to reset level one a couple of times. Yes. Level two, certainly a couple of times, yeah. which is level two where it introduces sort of one of the the, the, the extra modules. The cemeteries, yep. yes. Um, but it's, it's reconfiguring your Carcassonne brain yeah. because A... So used to playing competitively. Mm-hmm. Um, B, I don't necessarily want to be taking things off the board unless they're my meeples. So having to concentrate on these ghosts and that stupid mist, which is on so many of oh, the tiles, yes. and it's I, I feel like there's someone designed a way for it to be maximally annoying. Yes. <laughs> because you want to be able to shut off all of the mist... So that you can take all yeah. of the ghosts off, because similar to I guess how farms work, you want all the ghosts uh, to be con- contained in a perfectly um, completed mist yeah. or cloud fog or whatever, because then you can take them all off. However, that very rarely lines up that mm-hmm. way with before your mist gets almost out of control, so big you might always always have a really large dollop of mist that you're trying and trying and trying to get this one final tile that's going to close it off and all that's happening is the mist is getting bigger and yeah, bigger and bigger exactly it's that's like so those painful. cities that you think oh this city's gonna be really cool and it just grows and grows and yeah. grows and then you realize we're never gonna end that city that's move right. on find another one or sarah and i were constantly talking about the ghost road where's the ghost road <laughs> because you know you've got a road going in or out of mist and you're like okay well now i want to join a road and and get some more mist so I can close off the mist. But so often the continuity of the mist doesn't line up with the continuity of the road or the city. And then you've got the choice of, well, am I going to try and get more points out of this or am I just going to concentrate on mist? But of course, I've got to get points because that's how I win the game. And therein lies the challenge. And look, I have to say, you know, we, Sarah and I, we smashed this out in one night where we played Four games of level one because it kept beating us. Then finally we beat it. And then we beat level two on the first try. And then we beat level three on the first try. And then we played, I can't remember, it was four or five games at level four. And it kept beating us. And finally it defeated (laughs) us. And we said, that's it. We've got to have a rest. And we haven't had a chance to get back to level five and six. But we were absolutely engrossed. Now, we, we love Carcassonne. It is something that we will play often like when my... Adult son comes over. It's something we'll play together. It's that sort of family game. And so to me, I think that's where this can hit the perfect spot because there's enough of a game there to keep you enthralled and engaged, but it's not very difficult. And the challenge there is there, you know, I want to get to the next level. I want to get... That's a computer game thing again. I want to get to the next level, you know. And we really enjoyed it. I think this... I don't want to get too excited. I think this is a winner. Yeah. Um, and Carcassonne, you know, why haven't they realised this, the joy of cooperative games in the 20-odd years that they've been out there? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it ticks a lot of boxes because, as you said, it basically works as standalone modules to add to your standard competitive Carcassonne. Uh, my daughter and I really, really had a great time. And I yeah. think the, I think the co- um, cooperative nature of it really just requires new thinking. Um, you know, the one big thing I thought would be um, so often you're competing with other players and they try and be sneaky things to try yes. and sort of tag onto the city that you're building. And you're going, well, how's that going to work? Well, it works really bloody well because 
if you've got two meeples and you connect a city for two different colours, you both get the points. So the city is worth double what it would be. So you really need to work together to, to create these awful city um, pieces that you'd otherwise be struggling mm. or fighting, I guess, to prevent. Yes. You know, you, you've put this new tile on next to this city that I've got that, of course, you're going to try and add it into my city. You so-and-so. Yes. But you want that to happen now. It it I really enjoy how it forces existing long-term cards yeah. on players to just take a breather, take a step back and go, hang on, I need to unlearn all this stuff and just, just change things up a bit. I also really like the starting tile, which is basically a giant a tile, tile of four, four normal yeah. colours. Uh, sorry, four normal squares. But that's just cool. It just makes it a lot easier to know what I'm starting on. Well, and you know, the thing we found was how many times did we get saved by a pizza city? As in, you know, basically two half circles of a city that you just joined together and you only get four points. Yes. Which normally in Carcassonne, you'd be like, oh, such a waste. I'm going to use that to make my big city bigger. No, no. Because you make a pizza city, you don't score the four points, but you get to take off, as I said, up to three ghosts yes. if they're all on the same tile. Uh, yep. Sometimes it's only two. Well, often it's you take two. Yeah, but the but, cemeteries add a, a, a different mm, sort of level of complexity as well because they eat ghosts yeah. until the four sides of the, the tile that it is are, are occupied, but then they'll eat a meeple. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that's really not tough because I think as you've only got five meeples. Yeah, meeples. that's right. And look, so, I mean, we'll, obviously... We haven't got a lot of time. We haven't gone into every intricacy of this game. You don't need to know all the bits for the different six levels. What you just need to know is it's a lot of fun if you like Carcassonne. If you've never played Carcassonne, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, if you love cooperative games, it's great. It looks great. And who knows, it might even lead people who've never played Carcassonne into the greater world of Carcassonne. And there is a lot. I think it's, you know, it's in that same vein as, uh, what is it, King of Monster Island? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's introducing cooperative stuff to the massive IP yeah. of King of Tokyo. Um, obviously, Carcassonne is phenomenally big. Uh, adding a cooperative element is great because a lot of gamers and particularly a lot of families like that cooperative stuff. They don't want to be fighting. Yeah. Some, they just want to have a lovely, friendly family time. That's exactly what my wife said. She said, isn't this a lovely game? We get to play together. We get to put our brains together. There, I think there could be a temptation for the alpha gamer to take over. Maybe I did that a little bit, you know. But... A lot of fun to be had for a family with a co-op game. That's Mr. Carcass on him. Garth, before we forget, our very good friends at Good, good Games. Games Australia yeah. provided this copy to us. Um, so they certainly have it on their website or in any of the Good Games stores mm. if you want to get hold of it. Absolutely. And it is, yeah, I think it's a really strong strong game. Yeah. So, yeah, well done to Carcassonne. Yeah. Thank you to Good Games for providing it to us. Mark, I think we're done. I think we are. What a jam-packed episode. We've done a, a competition announcement. We've talked about the Kennespiel winning game challenges and then how wrong Kennespiel yeah, is Yeah, we bagged out Germans just generally. Oh, come on. Uh, and then finished off with a lovely game, Mist of Carcassonne. It's been episode 359. Absolutely. I've been Garth. He's been Mark. Mm. It's a dice man cometh. Let's get out of here. Thank you, Garth. Bye. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. That was a ghost. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au 
for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicebencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.